20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots, shots, shots! This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, streaming only on Hulu, Friday. All right, I want to welcome a very familiar voice to Bay Area sports fans, Larry Kruger, who I worked with 25 years ago at KMBR. And when I reached out to Larry, I said, you know, you're going to have to really go back into the deep recesses of your of your memory to even remember me because it was such a short time. But Larry, thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, hey, Garrett, thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate it. And yeah, man, it's been it's uh, it's been a while, but glad to see you're in the YouTube space and carving out your own path. How's life going for you? Life is great. You know, I, I worked at KMBR and, and I'm sure you have a lot of uh, you know, perspective on this. And, you know, I, it was right in the, the early days of the dot-com boom. And I was lived in San Jose. And so the pull for me was like, you know, make $40,000 now or try and build up to that somewhere in the radio space, which probably would have meant, you know, leaving and going to a different market. But KMBR was so influential to me because I was such a fan. Like it was the only place where I ever wanted to intern. I remember going to Pat Olson and being like, all of my chips are in this basket. So if you say no, I'm just going to come back next semester and, and do it again. And so he was very <laughs> nice to to bring me on. I think I think there was only two interns that would come on uh, every semester. So, uh, no, I, and I really loved it. And I got to see, you know, the stuff that I was really interested in. But I also had to you know, I had, I had a kid coming uh, at, very quickly. And so I, I went and I, I left the space and I went to, to work in the Silicon Valley. And you know, that's been my career. But you know what I did is I also said, you know, I kind of took that snapshot. I was like, huh, I kind of wonder. Larry and Chris are kind of the younger guys who are on air talent. But everyone uh, and Fitz, Fitz, of course, but Fitz was moving to do warrior stuff. But I was just like, you know, I wonder who's going to be here in 10 years. And when I thought about that and I did the 10 year look back, it was almost all the same guys in all of the same spots uh, on the channel. You know, it was Gary and it was, you know, the morning guys and it was Rod Brooks and it was Fitz and it was Ralph and Tom. And, you know, you have some perspective in that you kind of came through in that time frame when KMBR was like a juggernaut. And like, did you see the space? Did, did you see it like I did, which is, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be really hard to maneuver out. Like it's, it's really a, a place for you to stay. And to if you can keep audience, like it is a, a place where people just become familiar. Like think about how long Gary lasted in, in his job. You know, I never, I never thought for a second, you know, I came to KMBR in 97 and I was 27 years old and I'd never I never thought at all, gave any thought to, man, I wonder how long everybody will be here or how long will it take me? I just I just had a lot of confidence at that point in time. And and I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to do my thing and I'm, I'm not worried about it. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco, went to Stewart Hall Grammar School, St. Ignatius High School, 
Sac State for college. And I'd already, you know, to me, I'd already climbed many mountains at that point. You know, it's like I, I'd already been scouting in the, in the Canadian league, um, transitioned to a scouting job with the Arizona Cardinals, who were the Phoenix Cardinals at the time. Uh, under Joe Woolley, who was their general manager, and Buddy Ryan was our head coach. And I just kind of fell into the radio through, you know, looking for something to do while I was while I was scouting um, because it was kind of a more of like a part-time, you know, weekend type thing. I would go around and scout West Coast uh, football games for the Cardinals and um, kind of fell into sports byline and then never really thought I could uh, – be on air until I started really listening to the guys who were on air. And then I thought, you know what? These guys aren't that great. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, heck, I can do this. And um, I started doing that at Sports Byline in like the mid 90s, like 95, 96. And literally one year later, KMBR took on the Raiders, took over KMBR 1050. Yes. Had a whole second channel. And right then and there, I said, "Hey, this is my opportunity. They're going to add a whole, a whole another channel of, of hosts and people, and you know, I can get in this way." And sure enough, you know, I, I, um, <clears throat> I was incredibly persistent, and you know, they hired me to, to do uh, kind of weekends and fill in on KMBR. I was working on the weekends with Bruce McGowan, then Big Chris Bruce. Townsend, then Townie was like, "Hey." I'd like to be on air. He was just the producer. So I went to Bob Agnew and I said, Hey, I think me and him could do a pretty good show together. We got a good rapport. And he's like, you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And um, so he gave us the weekend show. We called it the weekend sports insiders. Oh yeah. And um, the rest is history. I mean, literally within a year I was doing uh, uh, sports phone 680. Chris had moved on to the morning show as kind of like a third, third man up on the morning show and you know we've been kind of doing you know similar type stuff ever since chris is now with the a's and kind of works internally um i had multiple runs at kmbr i had the whole felipe alu dust up which cost me my job then i moved over to kgo satellite radio came back to kmbr in 2011 um spent another decade there got downsized in a budget deal about a year ago and just said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit around uh, um, perfecting the story of how I got laid off. Um, I'm not going to, I'm just going to adapt to the ever changing landscape. And um, I saw, I, you know, I, I saw radio for what it was and I saw, you know, media for what it was. And I saw the, I, you know, I had a friend who was a real great media consultant and um, he said, hey, Krug, look, I know you're never going to believe this, but they're doing you a huge favor um, by letting you go right now because you can jump into the YouTube space, recreate your sports radio show, own it yourself, build it up yourself um, and beat everybody else to the space. And here we are. It's July 24th of 2023. I would say we're probably two years from now. Many of the guys that you hear on the radio today will no longer be on the radio in a couple of years as the revenues continue to shrink and they themselves will have their own YouTube show. And, um, you know, so I'm, I've been in the space for, you know, about a little bit over a year, about 15 months. We've got 20,000 plus subscribers. Um, loving it. I my, I'm my own boss. I make my own schedule. Um, I can provide for my family and, 
you know, the, the future is outlook has changed quite a bit. So, you know, it's been, it's been, um, you know, it's been a topsy turvy thing. The, the thing about it that makes me laugh when I think about it is I got out of scouting and into radio full time because I viewed it as more solid because of the, <laughs> what you had said, you know, all the guys who, who were there were there forever. Um, and then I looked at, you know, football scouting and so many of these guys had broken marriages and they were on the road 35 weeks a year. And it just seemed very, I didn't play in the NFL. I didn't right. play major college football. I didn't play any college football. Um, so I, I looked at it as, man, you're always going to be kind of passed over for opportunities. Um, I really wonder what it would have been like if I had stayed in it. And um, I think I'd probably be pretty high up by now. But you know what? Um, I'm not I have no regrets. I've got four beautiful children. I've got a daughter in uh, in uh, nurse practi- practitioner school, graduated from college. I've got a son who's one year away from graduating from Cal Poly with a nice. degree in uh, construction management. I've got a kid who's a senior in high school. That's I got amazing. a kid who's in eighth grade. And I've been there through every step of their lives. And I've been a present father and I've enjoyed this career immensely. So it's been a wild uh, it's been a wild ride, topsy turvy. And um, when you are on top, people take will go after you. And it's not a it's not a easy thing, but uh, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the good and the bad. I'll tell you, I've got no regrets. I'm, I'm glad you you took it to the YouTube thing because I, I do that's I do. I'm very interested in, in that. But before that, I can even you know, you talk about the scouting thing and I can vividly remember you explaining like the way a defensive back is supposed to play this type of receiver. And like you would get out there and you would be like, OK, here's the stance and here's here's the steps. And you would like show us in, in, in the studio because that, you know, football, I, I could tell was absolutely your passion. And I'm assuming that it's, you know, you cover all the sports, but I could tell. I mean, just look at, at your background there, like the, the football aspect of, of it is definitely still your passion. Is that right? Well, the personnel side of it is, you know, I'm, I, you know, I did, I did, I played, you know, very little uh, high school football at San Ignatius. Uh, I got a taste of it and I just kind of fell into the, um, into the football career while I was at Sac State, a guy who I was in my fraternity in college, I'm watching uh, football at his house and his dad walked in and said, who are you? And his dad just happened to be the head coach for Sac State football and said, hey, man, you think the game at a pretty high level. I want you to come help me do some recruiting. And then it kind of went from there. He jumped to the Canadian League. He brought me with him. Um, then I went, jumped to the NFL after meeting guys in the Canadian League who had worked in the NFL prior and were going to work in the NFL in the future. And sure enough, uh, Joe Woolley, who was a good friend and a guy who's a personnel you know, guru going back to the Eagles, he was the guy that built the Eagles coming out of the USFL with – Seth Joyner and, and Reggie White and all those guys. Um, and um, Joe was the gen- became the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. And and I asked him, hey, Joe, can I scout the West Coast for you? And, and uh, he said, absolutely. I think you're a good personnel guy. And I was 25. Wow. And so, you know, I did it for a couple of years. And, you know, I was starting to get promoted within that field. And then all of a sudden um, – I was just looking for something part time. I started working at Sports Byline, and then I got I started 
looking at that the career of sports talk radio and i i'd i'd been a fan of sports talk radio as a kid like you know in grammar school and high school of you know dave newhouse and ken dito and ralph barbieri and i used to do my homework at night when i was at si listening to these guys um and i never really thought oh this is what i want to do but i in a lot of ways i was kind of honing my craft listening to those guys and um and when when i saw it as an i did an internship about three quarters of the way through Sac State, and I did an internship as a producer at um, Sports Radio KSAC in Old Sacramento as a producer on the Bud Ferrillo show. Bud Ferrillo had been a big time sports guy in LA. He had a show in Sacramento, and when I saw it, and I you know I saw live radio up close, I just fell in love with it, and I was like, wow, this is incredible, and I got such a thrill out of it, and. Um, it was a, it was an incredible challenge and I just, and then I just, I've really been trying, spending the last, you know, 30 years trying to blend my two interests, which are, you know, radio and broadcasting and talking to people and football personnel evaluation. And, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, I haven't found the perfect way to blend it, but I feel like I'm still on the road to it and, uh, I'm going to get there. So this YouTube stuff is, be, you know, taking your radio career and then bringing it over and really developing your own brand or taking your brand and, and recreating it on YouTube is actually a, a it's it's an amazing thing to me. And I don't even know if you tie this together with your radio career. But when I was, you know, going through high school and college, similar to you, like I would go to bed and listen to Dave Newhouse when I was like a little kid. And then uh, Ralph would, would start taking over. And then they'd sort of go start going to like midnight. I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're going like way longer. I got to stay up and listen to this stuff. And so that's how I kind of got so interested in the radio was listening to those guys. But it wasn't until you and Chris at the ages you were. So I knew Chris a little bit in college. Chris is a few years older than me, but when we were in college, I think he was only one year ahead of me in college at San Jose State. And so I knew him a little bit. I had class with him. So when I start working at KMBR as an intern and you guys are there, I'm looking at you guys as like, oh, I don't have to be 35 years old to actually be on air at KMBR. Now, Fitz was there as well, but I think Fitz was not necessarily the rule. He was a little uh, more of a unique situation based on how he got in. But I looked at you guys and was like, there there can be an avenue to this. Like, this is a giant market. These guys are young guys. They're not that much older than me, and they've already sort of paved that way. And now you're kind of doing it again, in a sense, with moving over to YouTube. Damon Bruce as well. I know you guys have done stuff together. It was awesome to see Damon do it. And, you know, this old media, which is is radio now, I think it still succeeds in certain aspects. But, you know, the way that you guys have done this, it is a little bit of trendsetting. And do you see it that way as to kind of how, I mean, do you even understand the impact that you were as a 27-year-old guy at KMBR, uh, you and Chris, on people like me who were kind of following in your footsteps a little bit. You know, I never really thought about that at all. I just, I, I, I just, um, you know, was trying to have fun and, you know, do do stuff that interests me. Um, you know, I, 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 but, I, you know, I'll say this, though, you know, 
I always treated the people behind the scenes well because I never thought of myself as any different than them. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't I didn't look at me on one level and you on a different level. I looked at us at all all on the same level. Right. We were all young guys who really enjoyed sports and just happened to, you know, be right there. Um, you know, it's it's um, it, it's it's gratifying to hear that people viewed us as as, you know, not pioneers, but at least as, you know, we maybe created the idea or the dream in people's minds that, hey, they could do that. Um, I've done countless interviews through the years with young people who, Hey, how do I get started in the business? Now, a lot of times I've get, I get contacted. I get contacted today, today by like a 13 year old kid who has his own YouTube channel <laughs> and he's like, wants me to come on. I've come on with him before. And, and it's like, these are the kinds of guys that I'm like, wow, this is this, these are the same people that wanted to get in radio you know, in the eighties and nineties, and now they're want to get in the YouTube space. And it's yeah. just, it is amazing to me though, how, you know, media has changed in that, you know, there's not a lot of like, if, if I, if you went door to door in whatever neighborhood you're in and gate said to somebody, I'll give you a hundred dollars. If you can provide a, if you can uh, produce a transistor radio, <laughs> you know, that, that has batteries and that's working. I mean, you would probably go to 25 houses yeah. before you would ever find somebody with an actual transistor radio. And if it is in the house, it's in a drawer and it probably doesn't have batteries. And you know what I mean? And it's like oh, yeah. the radio has transitioned from something that people had in their house to almost strictly a car thing. And now with post pandemic, yep. so many people working from home, no longer commuting, the cum the total number of people listening is totally down. And so it's like, you know, the cume for a major sports radio station, maybe 25,000 people, which is still a lot of people, but it's not the hundred thousand that it was um, in the eighties or, 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 you know, even before that. Um, and now, you know, I'm looking at Grant Cohn. I'm doing a stream with him on his channel today. He's got 62,000 yeah. subs. Yeah. Um, I'll be walking through a Safeway. People will come up to me. Crew, gay, what's going on? And, I, you know, love the show. And I'll be like, what show are you talking about? You know, <laughs> and depending on what age they are, if they're older, <clears throat> I always assume that they're talking about KMBR or right, 95.7 right. The Game. If they're younger, I always assume they're talking about YouTube. But man, to a man, they'll be like, you know, they'll be like, no, not the radio, the YouTube show, you know, and it's like, yeah, I've had I've been standing on the sideline at Niner practice and um, I'll have NFL officials who are part timing or part time, you know, officials will be officiating their practices and the guy will come over to me in the middle of the practice and be like, hey, man, I'll be like, yeah. Like really dig the show. <laughs> it's like it just it's it's That's an awesome. eye opener. So yeah. um it's just a it's a migration of the media from radio and television, network television, cable television into the into the digital space. I mean, the reality is is that this the phone is our central media hub. Yep. And where this goes, we go. So yeah, uh, people are dialed in through their phone. When they get into their car, the car pairs to their phone. Yep. And um, you know, it used to be totally common for people to get in their car, tune into like a sports radio station, hoping that 
you know, they're listening to the genre that they want, hoping that let's say maybe they're a giant fan, but not a warrior fan. Um, and let's just hope that they're talking about the giants. Oh, yeah. they're talking about the warriors. Well, you know what? I don't care about the warriors or whatever, or maybe the opposite. I care about the warriors. I don't care about the giants. It's almost kind of like, I kind of compare radio to like Pandora, you know, mm-hmm. where Pandora mm-hmm. used to be like, Hey, you know what? You, you have Pandora and you get a, you can pick your genre that you yeah. like within Pandora and there's very few commercials and you, but you're still, you know, now this is more like Apple music. Yeah. You know, where, why would you even pan something as, as advanced as Pandora. Now you just look at that and say, well, what the heck? Why would I ever listen to Pandora when I can go to Apple music, go right to the song that I want and listen yep. to it repeatedly over and over and over again. Why would I go to a genre of a, of a something that I like Especially if you're like one of these, I mean, there's a lot of people that love the NFL that don't really love the other sports. So, you know, if you're tuning into KMBR or 95.7 The Game and you're hoping they're talking Niners and they're not talking Niners, they're talking about something else besides Niners. You know, a lot of people just tune out and go, you know what, I'll go to Niners Nation or I'll go to, you know, Larry's channel or Grant's channel or or uh, Dave Lombardi's channel, and I know they'll be talking Niners there, and it's uninterrupted as far as commercials, and I got a 35-minute commute, and I'll listen to 35 minutes of Niner talk uninterrupted from guys who are really following it instead of guys that are dabbling in it in between 12-minute stop sets of commercials that are mind-numbingly boring. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So why do you think now I, I listened to uh, an interview with a with a uh, radio guy out of New York, uh, the host of The Breakfast Club, which is a very uh, popular morning show. Uh, name is Charlemagne the God. And he was saying that I'm sure that's his born name. Too, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was saying that, you know, obviously radio is still giant to as far as the amount of people that you can reach at once. But he was saying that, you know, there are other avenues in which people are looking for content. So exactly what you said. And he said, we need to put our stuff on YouTube. 
And they have done that successfully. That's how I, if I see anything from their Breakfast Club show, it's going to be in a YouTube clip or on an Instagram clip that I then go find the YouTube clip to listen to. I'm not, I'm not tuned into New York radio, but something like KMBR, because I'm a bad fan in that right around the 2006, 2007 timeframe, I almost went exclusively to podcasts because of, um, you know, commercials. And I was kind of getting sick of the drive time aspect of, of some of these shows because the the callers, you know, I, I was like, I understand why you have callers. You need engagement. But I want to hear the hosts. I don't want to hear the callers. Like, I want to hear the hosts just talk to smart people and, you know, people who understand what they're talking about. So I moved away and went to podcasts. But my question to you is, KMBR has a lot of smart people working there. Why isn't there this other aspect of reaching people? I, and I know they have a website. I've seen the writing on the website. But I don't see a heavy YouTube influence or a heavy Instagram influence or a heavy TikTok. Not that I'm a TikTok user, but like it would seem that, hey, maybe if the cum is going down, like you said, there are other avenues for us to increase our listenership or our viewership why isn't there a hybrid model that is working out there? And maybe I shouldn't speak so loudly because then more people are going to come into your space. But well, no, it, it's hilarious. I mean, I, you know, we we used to have the last four, uh, three or four years that I was at KMBR, we would have these, um, you know, once a month emails from the program director, and they would come like like let's say on a Monday, and it would be like, hey guys. You know, the ratings are a little bit down. They're a little bit flat. Uh, you know, what do we need to do and this and that? Then the next day, there would be like another email going, hey, way to go to our digital department. These guys are awesome. Bob and Sam and Phil and Joe, these guys are absolutely incredible. Were they absolutely incredible? Well, they're good guys, but it was just a migration of the audience from the radio space into the digital space mm -hmm. and the radio guys were getting blamed for the departure and the digital guys were getting credit for the arrivals. And it was just like, in reality, it was just a natural migration that was going on and they should have acknowledged it at the time. And I, I still think they're kind of behind the times. I mean, I literally begged the KMBR program director for like two years um, to like, Hey, Let's get in you. Let's get on the YouTube space. Let's yeah. get on the YouTube space. Let's get on the YouTube space. Yeah, we're going to. We're trying to. We want to. But some of the hosts don't want cameras and we're not really sure. And blah, 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 blah. They waited till their competition was tripling up on them before they actually got into the YouTube space. They're there now. But I mean, they, you know, a lot of they've at this point, they've they've now they're going to have to try to win back their audience. Because a lot of their audience is, is now on to other things because they didn't give it to them in the form that they wanted it, which is was the digital form. So I'm not saying I'm a genius because I'm not. Um, and I'm not saying they're idiots because they're not. But <clears throat> I think it's safe to say that um, the migration is real. It's not going to change. Heck, um, battery-operated cars may cease to have AM radio in them at all yeah. because of the buzz that's created by the battery. Um, so you may not even see AM radio exist in its current form in 20 years, maybe even sooner than that. Um, 
you know, you've seen a lot of AM stations try to try to buffer themselves by adding an FM counterpart to go with them. So you're seeing that. But ultimately, what needs to happen is there needs to be just a full onslaught of every. Just look at it this way. If you look at everybody sitting in one cup in the 80s, well, now there's the same number of people, if not more, except they're not sitting in one cup. Some are over on Instagram. Some are on YouTube. Some are on Facebook. Some are on this. Some are on Twitter. And what you need to do to truly be successful is you need to keep going to every single pool and individually putting your content in every single pool and then inviting those people back to your radio station, your core competency. And that should be your game plan and should have been your game plan for years. Um, And um, it's okay with me if they continue to kind of stammer (laughs) around in the dark, you know, I'm friends with uh, Darren Chan, who is the Giants radio engineer. Oh, DC is a good friend. I've known him forever. And I, uh, you know, I work in in the tech industry. I'm uh, a co-founder of a company called Nextdoor.com. And I'm always looking for something to make it easy to, you know, that's kind of how tech works. Oh, let's fix this thing. So it's like very easy for, for you to do this. And so I said, you know, Darren, I'm watching the Giants games on TV, but I want to hear the rap. If if you if there could be something in an app that gives me a notification that says the rap is coming so I can listen to what is a fantastic postgame show, uh, let's do it. Like, you know, I, I would love that because then I would just listen to every single one and I wouldn't miss it because it's like my favorite thing about the Giants radio broadcast is that postgame show. And like telling or, ar- or archive the raps so you could uh, go you know and hey i've been in, i've been traveling in uh, barcelona for the last 6 weeks on uh, and i'm a diehard giants fan i want and i love uh, the best announcing team in the sport go give me a place where i can hear the rap continuously and kind of keep up on the dialogue i'll spend 3 4 5 6 hours you know going through the raps of these games and and, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. So, you know, that's just something where I, I, I understand how hard it is to get out of what the current process is. But as shown by you, as shown by Damon Bruce, you know, you guys are really funneling, you know, the, the your fans into your content. Like if you are a Larry fan. Just go to the Larry funnel and you just get Larry all Larry all the time, I think, which is which is really smart. And you kind of create super fans out of that as well. And with the way that media uh, kind of works today, you know, I can passively listen to certain things, but there are only going to be a few things that I'm going to actively listen to. And the way that you can feed me that content is is something like your YouTube page or your podcast. So all that stuff is absolutely fantastic. I, I do want to circle back to this before we before we do end this because I'm I'm still fascinated in how the Krug Show works. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about you know the topics du jour of of uh, our Bay Area sports teams. Um, you did you guys did a show talking about if the 49ers are overrated. And I do a show on this channel called uh, We Want Winners, which is a play on the old uh, Mike Singletary uh, line. 
And me and my my co-host, uh, Roderick Adams, we were talking about how, you know, if you look at the 49ers roster up and down, the depth and the star power in the roster is fantastic, except there's one glaring omission, which is the quarterback situation, unless you really believe that second-year Brock Purdy is going to be the real deal. And and I know that there are some people who believe that. I I, I you know, but you cannot put Brock Purdy up with Patrick Mahomes and say, oh, you know, we're competing at that level w- w- with Mahomes. But what do you think about the whole quarterback situation? As a 49er fan yourself or as someone who's covered the team forever, you know, this is kind of the, the quarterback is kind of the star of the entire Bay Area with Joe and Steve and uh, even Kaepernick uh, and 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 then, you know, Jimmy G. Is that to you like the one thing that stops the 49ers from being, you know, maybe the front runner to 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 win the whole thing is just, you know, what are we doing? What What's the team doing at quarterback? Well, you know, it's funny. It's like, <clears throat> you know, th- there's that old saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Right. And so many people cannot get beyond what somebody looks like <laughs> when they're deciding um, if they fit the role. And so I think because Trey Lance may, you know, has a lot of similar physical attributes to Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy doesn't, I think the assumption is, is that they, they don't need to flirt around with uh, Purdy. They just need to go to Lance and develop him. And, and I think Lance is going to develop. I really do. I think you're going to see a much improved Trey Lance this summer, and I think he's going to develop. But I think it's going to take time because yeah. he's a very raw quarterback. But really, it's about Brock Purdy. And um, Brock Purdy really does give you everything that Mahomes and Josh Allen give you. Um, what does Mahomes and Josh Allen give you? Well, they process well, but they also have second-level movement ability that helps them escape the pocket. And, you know, there's the play that's called in the huddle, and then there's the play that, you know, that the play, you know, devolves into because of, you know, the first play being defended uh, properly or, or successfully by the defense. And I just think when you look at Brock Purdy, you look at a guy and you say, well, wait a second, he's not big enough. But he's six feet and change. He's 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 about 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 my height. I'm six one and a half. He's about six foot and a half, roughly six one. Um, he's two hundred and twenty seven pounds. He's pretty thick. Like if you're standing next to him in the locker room, he's he's pretty thick guy. He's not like he's a tiny little guy, um, you know. And then he's got that one five four ten yard split, which is in an elite 10-yard split. I mean, to put that in perspective, Tyreek Hill, who's probably one of the most electric movers in the entire sport, I think was like 155 or 152. He was either slightly better or slightly worse than than Purdy. So Purdy's got really good escapability. Um, so I really think in a lot of ways, Brock, even though he doesn't necessarily look the part, I think he can compete with the Mahomeses and the Allens and the Hertzes, because I think when you look really closer at his traits, he's got everything you need. He's got big hands. He can control the football. He's got escape ability. He's got that fast 10 yard split time so he can avoid the rush and extend plays. We saw him extend plays uh, repeatedly last year. Yeah. 
And then he also has the ability to process what he sees at the line of scrimmage. And he has a, an ability to throw with accuracy and on time and be on time with it. And Alex Smith did an interview this week with um, Matt Mayoko from Tahoe. And he said, you know, you can talk about 40 time and height and all these different things, but quarterbacking really comes down to three elements, your accuracy, your timing, and your processing. And he says that Brock has it and that, um, and that not only does he have it, that it's sustainable. And I, I agree. I've been saying it for the last year. Um, and I, I, I really think, I know a lot of people look at Brock Purdy and go, ah, Mr. Irrelevant. That was, that was somebody else's mistake. Yeah. The reality is, is that Iowa state was nothing before he got there. They were a national power while he was there. The first year that he wasn't there, they went one and eight inside the big 12 Brock Purdy was the difference at Iowa state. And you know, the 49ers, how quickly people forget that non-Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacks under Kyle Shanahan were 9-29 and 29 <laughs> until Brock Purdy took over in the Dolphin game. Um, so I'm, I'm all in on Brock Purdy. I, I realize he's not the biggest guy. Would I rather him be 6'4"? Sure. Would I rather him have a little bit stronger arm strength? I guess. But what he's got is the ability to process, to be accurate, and he throws the passes on time. In the short game, in the intermediate game, where your footwork is at a premium, his footwork is on point. He's insanely competitive. Like I've done, I've done interviews with Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. This kid's got what those guys had, which is this. It's a humility, but it's a quiet, burning, competitive fire that is just readily apparent after two or three questions in an, in any interview. And that's what Purdy has. Um, so I personally, it, you know, we'll see about the elbow injury and how much is he diminished? Has he lost any velocity? If he hasn't, and he's the same player physically that he was a year ago, I asked him a month ago after the mini camp, I said, Brock, how would you compare where you're at right now in this offense compared to where you were at last year at this time? And he's like, oh, Krug, night and day, night and day. He's like, last year, um, I would walk to the line of scrimmage and just trying to remember, just trying to remember the play, just trying to remember all the verbiage, how to spit it out correctly, trying to remember the formations. Remember now it's like, I've got them committed to memory and it's all about nuances within the play, within the play fake, within the, you know, whatever it is. And, um, I just think you're going to see a dramatically improved player. And since he didn't lose a game last year that he started and finished and the team averaged 33 points a game with Brock Purdy, just to put that in perspective for people who don't follow the points per game deal, the team that led the NFL last year in points per game were the Kansas city chiefs. They averaged 29 points a game. Brock Purdy while with the Niners as a rookie, averaged four more points per game than the number one offense in football last year. So uh, there are people that have suggested that he's hit his ceiling. That's asinine. And um, I, I just can't wait to see it this summer. Now, if he loses five miles an hour off the fastball or loses some ability as a thrower, that could negatively impact his career. Clearly it's a major part of a playing quarterback is the ability to throw and have something on it. But as Alex Smith says, 
It's about processing, accuracy, and timing. And in Alex's mind, it's sustainable what Brock's done. And I agree with Alex. Did you listen to the podcast uh, that um, Jordan Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez, I think is her name, did called the the play caller, the play callers? It's it's uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah, I haven't checked out the podcast, but I've heard about it. Okay, the, the, you you would eat this thing up because it is football catnip like this the, all the stuff that you that you like about this stuff uh it, it was it's it's right in there lost sean mcveigh kyle shanahan kyle's tree and and i'm still not even done with it i think i'm only through like two and a half of the five episodes but what what i came out of it after the first episode is that like kyle has so much influence in the modern day nfl and really the only thing holding him back as far as being, you know, known as or remembered as one of the fantastic coaches, head coaches of this era is the Super Bowl, because that's what everyone's going to be measured by. And after listening to that podcast, I was like, man, you know, I I understand how highly other coaches think about Kyle. And, and you know, you listen to the the broadcasters and they'll always point out how you know, yeah, up until last year, Kyle didn't even have a winning record uh, as a head coach of the 49ers. But, you know, it all, to me, it all sort of comes back to the quarterback situation because, you know, of the, of his prowess as a head coach and creating opportunities for, for uh, you know, playmaking. And I do wonder if this is really kind of, you know, you go into the 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 pandemic draft and it's like, oh, we're going to, you know, give up the house for, for Trey Lance because this is who what we think we you know can be that guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brock Purdy falls on your lap. And I do wonder if Kyle just sees that as like, man, you know, this is the opportunity here for for me to really uh, have the complete vision of what my offense could be because of those things that you said about Brock. I don't think there's any doubt that Kyle's really excited about Brock um, because of all of his traits. And, um, you know, and I think he's also excited about his quarterback room um, because the reality is it's a rough sport and guy, quarterbacks get knocked out. I think it's gone. I think the Niners outside of 2019 have gone six years in a row where they've used at least three quarterbacks to get through the regular season. So your number two quarterback and your number three quarterback um, do matter. Uh, and so they've got. Now, a, a two and a three in Lance and Darnold or Darnold and Lance, whatever way it shakes out, that they feel like they can win games with. And you heard Kyle tell Steve Weish in an interview this week, hey, you know, we, we feel good about our quarterback room. We feel good about our We feel great about our team. Um, and so, you know, I think when last year ended and they walked out of that Lincoln financial field. Uh, losers in the NFC championship game. I think they vowed to just never be in that spot again where, yeah. where, you know, they just didn't, they ran out of quarterbacks because the, you know, I, they got a real strong running game. They got a real strong defense. Who knows if they had had um, a strong backup quarterback in that game that was healthy, maybe they could have beaten Philly with their backup quarterback. Who knows? I mean, it's really um, an NFL flaw, right? To have, to not have that, that rule of like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like the 49ers mismanaged, you know, the situation so that they ended up with with a, a bare cupboard in, in the backup spot for, for QB. But, you know, just the idea that this is how the, the game works and you're talking about the biggest non-Super Bowl game 
uh, of the year. And the, and the 49ers have to bring in a, a guy who had no chance. And the NFL, you know, they're going to pretend they care about football. But in reality, they just cared about the fact that people turned off the TV. Yeah. You know, because that's what happened. I'm watching it. You're watching it. People in Philly were all over it. But, you know, if you're in the middle of the country and all of a sudden the Eagles, you know, you probably stayed with it maybe one drive into the third quarter. And once you saw Christian McCaffrey, you know, uh, once you saw the 49ers, Josh Johnson knocked out of the game, you're like, all right, you know, this thing's done on to the rest of my day. And so all, if you're one of those big corporations that's cut a huge check to the NFL or to the networks to run your ad from the mid third quarter to the end of the game, you got hosed and you probably who knows, maybe the NFL had to do some make goods on some of those some of those ads just because the audience wasn't there. Or maybe they didn't, but they that kicked them in the butt to say, you know what, we can't have this happen again. So um, let's let's guard against us our, us losing our money and losing our sponsors, and um, losing popularity with our sponsors by let's throw some mechanism within the game that if the first two guys get hurt, a third guy just magically appears. Um, and. I think, you know, they've done a lot to protect the quarterback in recent years. I think that's all in the same vein of they understand the connectivity between the audience and the quarterback. And so, you know, and if you think about the NFL, the way it's televised, if as a scout, you watch sideline wide, end zone wide. But if you're watching network television, what do you get? You get a play. And then you maybe get a crowd shot. Then you get a shot of the head coach. Yeah. Then you get a close-up shot of the quarterback. And then here's another play, and then maybe a crowd shot. And then here's another head coach close-up. And here's another close-up of the quarterback's face. And that's how the game is broadcast. And yeah. thus, that's how we relate to football. And and because of that, um, I think we put too much credence in who that quarterback is, who that head coach is. Um, think about it. I, I would say... NFL is the most popular sport in America. I would say at least 75% of the dialogue is about the quarterback or the head coach. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Now, you've been in this market covering Bay Area sports for a very long time. We've seen three Giants World Series. We've seen four Warriors NBA championships. Since I was a senior in high school, the 49ers have not won the Super Bowl. Now, they've been back a couple times. But it still seems to me that in this market, as long as the 49ers are competitive, they are the number one team in this area. Do you see it that way? Well, I mean, there's enormous popularity for the Warriors and Giants, but it's the NFL that's lifted all boats, right? So the NFL is more popular than the other entities. I was talking to my nephew who lives in Boston, and Boston is a notorious Red Sox town. Yeah, And he said, oh, you know... Uncle Larry, it's probably kind of a little bit more Patriots than Red Sox. And it's all because of the NFL, right? Um, New York is a very much a baseball town, but I bet you the Giants are probably more popular than anybody. Um, and the New York football Giants, that is, and Giants and the Jets. And and I think the same thing here in the Bay Area. It's like the, the Giants have an enormous popularity. The Warriors, especially with the new fans they've cultivated in their most recent run, have a huge popularity uh, with the fans as well, but the NFL is king. And so the NFL is the only sport where, you know, like if there's a, if you turn, turn on ESPN tonight and there's twins Phillies, 
you're not watching that. But if you tune on the NFL on a Thursday night and it's Vikings Eagles, you are watching that. If you tune in the NBA and it's T Wolves Sixers on TNT, you're probably not watching that. But if you tune in and it's Eagles Vikings, you are watching that. Sure. So, you know, it's that's where we are in the NFL. It's the NFL is king. And I do think the 49ers, because the 49ers got here first, you know, you got to remember that as well. Yeah. The Warriors showed up in the 60s. The Giants showed up in the 60s um, or in the late 50s. Um, the, um, the, the Niners showed up in 1950. You know, they had a, they had a decade head start. And so um, football, I think football is just more popular, period. But um but I, yeah, and I, I think the Niners, I think the numbers reflect that. I mean, people bang on me sometimes because last year on my channel, I did a lot more Giants post game. This year, I kind of cherry pick which games I want to do. I don't do every Giants post game, but I talk Niners all the time. Yeah. Well, why is that? Because I can actually see the number of people. Sure. Um, and if, and it's kind of like radio, R- radio people. If uh, KMBR could see how many more people are engaged on the Niners and the Giants, they'd talk more Niners. If 95-7 the game could see how many more people were, were uh, you know, engaged on Niners than Warriors, they'd talk more Niners. Instead, they're, they're both talking about the teams that they're contracted to carry, and it makes sense, but I think, the, I think they're doing that um, at a little bit of a detriment to their, to their overall audience size. I also think, though, and and – you know, I would probably have to a- ask my dad more about this specifically because, you know, when you and I are, are, are sort of growing up, you know, we didn't live through like, you know, the, the 60s or, or, or whatever, the sports in, in the 60s. But, you know, save for the Warriors winning the, the NBA championship in the mid 70s, it's really the 49ers, those teams of the 80s that kind of put the Bay area on the map as a big sports town. You know, we, even though Willie Mays and McCovey were here, the giants could never get over that hump, but the 49ers winning all those times in the eighties, they really did put a little bit of a bullseye on the Bay area as a, as a major league sports town. And I think because the 49ers, even though they've had their, their downs for sure, the, 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 the franchise is still very much marketed. You know, you see Jerry Rice at every game. You see Montana come in, you know, several times a year just to do whatever they, they want him to do. And they do such a fantastic job of reminding us about those teams that, you know, when, when the 49ers, would, you know, were the, the top NFL franchise, you know, in the 80s. So I think they do a really good job with that as well. And we'll see if the Giants and Warriors do a similar job. I still think the Warriors are really mostly a Steph Curry town rather than an actual Warriors town. Cause we'll see what happens when Steph retires, but you know, it, that's kind of like one supernova star. Uh, and with the winning that, that kind of took over. And, you know, I, I, my, my sons, both of my sons are, are bigger Warriors fans than, than anything else because, uh, because of that. But, you know, I, I, w- I would like to see what happens. I think the giants are just going to have a hard, hard time uh, marketing the team uh, in, in a sport that is, I, I, I feel baseball is just marketed poorly by, by the entire Major League Baseball. Oh, I mean, there's no question. I mean, the futures game are the stars of tomorrow and MLB. It was on Peacock. It, it wasn't, it, what, yeah. forget network TV. It wasn't on cable TV. It was on a streaming service. 
So and and very few people saw it. And nobody know like you could take the top 20 baseball prospects, parade them down the middle of Main Street, USA and any city in America. And if they weren't wearing their uniforms with their names on the back, nobody would know who any of them are. So that's the future. That's those are your future stars of tomorrow that you want people to get behind, support and follow and forget passion for them. They're total unknowns. So Rob Manfred you know, baseball has the median age of the baseball viewer has gotten older and older and older and older, and they've done nothing about it um, because their revenues are staying solid because of the gambling influence and and some of the partnerships they've done. But overall, baseball is less relevant with a 12 year old today than it was, of uh, you know, a decade ago and significantly less relevant than it was t- 25 years ago. So. It's a real problem. And Manfred is a is a you know, he's a he's a lawyer, but does he have passion for the game? He he recently described the World Series trophy as a hunk of metal. I mean, when you're and the players push back and we're like, Rob, what are you talking about? You know, I'd said I'd sell my soul for that hunk of metal. So yeah. they have the wrong guy leading the sport. Um, they're they're falling behind in relevancy. Um you know, their numbers on all their meaningful stuff are going away. ESPN only begrudgingly even has baseball tonight. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a sport that I love and you may love, but for whatever reason, our kids are not as passionate about it. It's still, I think one of the best sports when it gets to playoff baseball, but, um, you know, the game I mean, has been improved by the pitch clock, though. I think it's been it's been sped up for sure. It's been it's a little bit more it's a little bit more fits into our TV time frame. Going to the park, even though I I like the live experience a lot better with these games moving than than not. Yeah, there's more movement to the game. What they really need to do is they need to cultivate, um, you know, a little bit more of the inclusiveness that they've had that they've lost. I mean, the percentage of black players in the game has dropped to a level that is so, so low. It's like record setting. And it's time, you know, the game is less dynamic because so many of the great black stars of the 70s and 80s and 90s are no, they're not in the game anymore. And so I think that's really hurt Major League Baseball. I think it really has. And uh, hopefully it comes back around. Because I think, you know, I mean, you say, who is the greatest Giants of all time? Well, it starts with Willie Mays. Yep. Then you go to Willie McCovey. You know, you think about some of the greatest players you've ever seen. I think of Barry Bonds. Absolutely. I I immediately think of Griffey Jr. Um, It's really important that baseball gets, um, you know, the, the greatest athletes in our country playing its sport more. And, and, you know, it's like, you, you, people need to feel like baseball is for everybody. And the reality is I have kids who play baseball and I see the disconnect and I see how it breaks down. It starts to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you want to team. You want to top, you want a top tier bats, 500 bucks. You want to play fall ball at 1700 bucks. Yep. You want to play summer ball at 1700 bucks. We're talking about, um, you know, asking mom or dad to come out of pocket five or ten thousand dollars a year because they want their son to be able to play baseball well that's that's cost prohibitive and prices people out yeah and it's and 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 that's the problem 
And baseball's got to use some of their wealth to invest in the infrastructure to have more. They all have, you know, academies in Santo Domingo. But how about academies in Boston, Chicago, New York and Philly in Los Angeles and San Francisco? How about investing some some of that incredible money that you're making in trying to correct the inequity in, in, in the cost of the game at the amateur level, which is pricing out so many families? My son plays varsity baseball, and he told me he wasn't playing fall ball. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm kind of disappointed. And then I asked my wife about it. She's like, well, we are going to save $1,700. <laughs> and then suddenly I wasn't quite as disappointed. <laughs> and and if you don't have that money to begin with, you're like, I can't afford that. And and is there a scholarship that you can get? And there really isn't. Yeah. So then it's like, you know, kids are just choosing to play other sports partially because they know that they don't want to be a financial burden on mom and dad. True. And that's yeah. a big part of it. And I think, you know, um, if you knew that you were going to cost your parents five grand and you knew your parents didn't have the money to invest in it and you liked sport B kind of as much or maybe not quite as much, but similarly, you might just play sport B. Yeah. You know, over sport A. And if sport A is baseball, you know, baseball is expensive. The equipment's expensive. The, 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 the or, you know, the youth baseball between like little league and college is very expensive. Um, and I, I, I would, if you walked up to a, a, a freshman in college and asked them on average, you did a little poll, how much money have your parents invested in your baseball career? <laughs> it, it's probably between five and $20,000. Yeah. For and that's sure. a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot more than we had. When we were growing up and it's a lot more than the other sports. All right. A couple of uh, quick media questions. I'll let you go. You've already spent so much time here, which I appreciate. Um, when it comes to YouTube. So, you know, you're now in this space. And when I hear, you know, these the NFL is, you know, and, and their TV deal and the NBA and their upcoming TV rights deal. Why are we talking about? sort of YouTube TV and not the actual content creation of YouTube as a place to put games because anybody has access to YouTube. You could run similar ads uh, on this platform. Why, why is it YouTube TV? Why are we trying to put games on YouTube TV or we're trying to put games on Apple TV and not the most widely viewed platform it, it's more than television more hours are spent watching youtube than on an actual broadcast television why why don't these sports leagues push towards using the regular youtube platform do you think greed yeah just greed that's what i would say you know they they know that they can you know that 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 they're they're i mean they're you're it's kind of it's kind of, you know, it's not that different than the newspaper model when the newspaper was dying. It's like some newspapers were, you know, newspapers are always pretty cheap. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we'll just charge a little bit more. Oh, nobody wants it if we charge more. OK, well, we'll maybe we'll charge the same. Oh, wait a second. Now, you know, people don't want aren't aren't reading it as much. Well, now let's let's have a different uh, business model and we'll give it away for free. Um, and it's like, I think once you get to, once you're giving it away for free, you don't have anywhere to go from there. 
And I think that's that's it right there. They they feel like if they put it on YouTube instead of YouTube TV, they'll be giving it away, giving their product away for free. And if you give it away for free in 2023, you can't charge for it in 2024. But let's say you can put uh, one game a week, one NBA game a week, and it doesn't even have to be you know necessarily the big marquee team, but. If you sh- if you can actually drive people to this platform, yeah, the NBA can have their own you they have their own YouTube account. They make money off of that YouTube account. But if you can actually drive eyeballs to a game that is on YouTube and you make it kind of like a big deal. I just I'm I'm thinking in the aspect of like how do my stepkids who are they they're I've two uh, 13-year-old twin boys and a, and an 8-year-old daughter, a stepdaughter they don't like they're they're watching stuff on uh, an iPad or, or whatever. They're not watching broadcast television. So as we age broadcast television up, like there is a way to attract these these young viewers. And I'm sure now my my stepkids may not watch a full NBA game because that's you know that that's two hours or whatever. But I could see my you know my stepson's going like, oh wow, you know I'm going to watch the fourth quarter of this NBA game, and they're not going to do that on normal TV as I'm watching the Warriors, you know, at, at 10 at night. So I, d- I just kind of wonder, you know, because you have the same experience that I do in this space. It just seems like you would want your sport to go where all the young eyeballs are and maybe take a little bit of a, of a revenue hit or a profit hit, you know, for the aspect of growing the, uh, the entire sport. Well, especially at this point in history, when you're taking on a brand new revenue stream like gambling, and it's it's adding huge amounts of money into the coffers of these leagues, this would be a great opportunity for them to, you know, invest a little bit in trying to build their audience size by making their games uh, easier to find and 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 cheaper to find, if not free. Um, but you know, it's 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 a combination of greed. And but I agree with you. I mean, we're also becoming kind of a highlight culture. It's not even about do the people want to watch it. They want to watch the highlights of it, but they don't. And they know. And there's also less urgency. It's like, you you know, you and I might say, well, the game's on. We got to see it Um, where our kids don't have that urgency because everything that's worth anything will just kind of appear in a (laughs) highlight form on. You know, do I need to see home run derby? No, because the highlights <laughs> of it will will appear on Twitter. Yeah. Well, do I need to watch the All Star Game? No, not really, because the highlights, the best moment of it, will appear on Twitter or you know some or other X. It's called X now. I don't know if you saw that. Elon no. Musk rebranded Twitter as X today. Yeah. Though the, the the Twitter branding is still on the website. They're still called tweets. There's still a Twitter search, but there's just an X where the little tweet bird was. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't even notice that. Uh, and he's getting ready to monetize Twitter. I know that um, for the users. I, I just think that, that ultimately that, that lack of we're a highlight culture and we don't want anything and we don't have patience or, or time. It's just like anything else. If I make an awesome, I could have an incredible three hour conversation with you name it in sports, Farhan Zaidi yeah. with a trade deadline coming up in six days. I could do a three hour sit down with Farhan Zaidi. Well, 3000 people 
might watch that <laughs> six hour show. But if I condense that down into a 30 minute show, now it might be watched by 10 times as many people. Or, if clip, I can, or you clip the three minute newsworthy thing that he if, said. If I can clip it, it down to three minutes, you know, 10,000 more people may watch it. If I can clip it down into 90 seconds, um, a million people may watch it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and, and and then what happens is, you know, the people that watch it for a minute go, oh, hey, that was really good. I'd like to watch it longer. And then I'll watch. Is there a longer version of this? And that's kind of how it goes now. Yeah. So, like, um, I remember Ralph, you know, on KMBR used to go on and on and on and um, and, you know, have these like half hour long interviews. Sabian. And yeah. And it was like, you know what? People don't want a half hour interview. They want a seven minute tight interview. And now, and that was like 10 years ago. Now the seven minute interview is viewed as long and they really just want a condensed version of it with, you know, um, that gives them just the highlighted version. Yeah. Or how many times have people tuned into a podcast and it's like, yeah, I, I, I watch blankety blank podcast. But do you watch it start to finish? No, I go to the timestamp at the beginning, figure out what topic I like, and I go right to that part. Yeah. So we're just, you know, and I do it myself. I mean, we all, it's it's how busy are we as opposed to how busy do we think we are? Yeah. You know, you're going, you're, you're on YouTube and you're looking at videos. Somebody's got an hour long thing with somebody. I won't, I won't click it. But if it's five minutes and 55 seconds, I will. Now, will you, will you, Passively listen to it hour. on a podcast when you're listen when you're doing the dishes though like that, that's that's the cool thing about podcasts right if you're doing the dishes maybe you just throw it on and you may not hear everything we're, but you yeah, may get a, a deeper I you know this was this you know my father passed during the pandemic um, and he was a huge fan of my show and obviously my dad was born in 1937 so it was he was you know he was in his 80s and I remember calling my mom uh, about six months before you know, before she passed and was like, Hey, does dad listen to our show? And she goes, Oh, he listens to the podcast. <laughs> I said, what? Awesome. <laughs> I said, what? My 83 year old father doesn't listen to our show. He listens to the podcast. Yeah. Because he likes to wa listen on the computer in his office when he's doing his taxes. There you go. And I'm like, and right there, it was like, ding, 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 ding. If my 83 year old father didn't listen to my radio show because unless he was in the car, but he would listen to the podcast version of it at his desk. It doesn't that screen. And, and this is a guy who grew up with a transistor radio. Oh yeah. Oh, this yeah. is a guy who probably, you know, was a, you know, a, uh, bumped uh, arms with Marconi himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this guy, this guy, you know, so if, and, and it just, it was an illustration to me that, you know what people want, good content they'll always want good content but they want it on demand in a time frame that's palatable and they want to be able to stop it and start it and play with it and you know hey everything's about my schedule you know i'm doing uh, i'm doing i've got i've got a half hour between classes that i teach and i'm a big niner fan and i started checking out the krug show and it was an hour long but um I went, I watched a half hour and then I went and taught my afternoon class. And then I knew I, I tuned out at 45 minutes. So I went back to it at, and I just went right back to the 45 minute part and I just finished up. 
And that's how people are digesting the content today. Um, and it's just a different world. It's just a different world. It's, it's a great world because people can get exactly what they want, when they want it, how they want it. But um, if you're stuck in the past or if you're, ha- if you're putting together great content, but it's not packaged the right way, the packaging matters Mm -hmm. and you can be the best radio host ever. You could be the host that everybody loves the most, but if you're, if you're just on from, you know, two to six in the afternoon and nobody else can hear it any other way, you're not going to be as popular as if somebody, you know, podcasts it, puts it out there, puts out the highlights, lets people listen segment by segment and gives people a better way, a, a more digestible way to to uh, go through the content. So you, it's just it's 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 content's king, and it always will be. And if you have good content, people will find you. But it, now the packaging really matters, and now um, you'll grow your audience or shrink your audience based on how it's packaged. All right, let's uh, we can end this talking about the Krug Show. What is your strategy as far as how often you put up shows? Are you, I'm assuming you're probably putting stuff up daily. Yeah. Um, and is, are you doing a lot of live streaming? I've seen some live streams. Are you doing, um, you know, just certain segments that are, you know, regular segments? Like what is your strategy and how you put together this channel? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, I don't have a defined strategy like Damon. I know like Damon Bruce likes to go live at 11 a.m. And then he likes to, you know, do something later on because uh, it fits his. He's got two little kids under five and it fits their nap time and his life, you know, and it fits his life. So that's what he's that's what he's doing. And I, I could see that being a, a strong play. Um, I like to to you know, be a, a, you know, sports fan. And like, if I'm watching NBC sports Bay area, or I I'm watching, um, you know, I'm looking at my phone and it comes across the giants just traded for Spencer Torkelson, <laughs> right? I'm going live right now. Yeah. No, I'm going live right now. Nice strategy. And, and, um, so, you know, the, one of the biggest hits we got earlier this year was when we were live in the middle of the Warriors drafting Trace Jackson Davis in the second round of the draft. I had a whole live stream going. We reacted in real time to it. The stream did really well. The video on it did extraordinarily well. So I don't really have a strategy other than what I initially, my initial strategy was go live in the postgame window. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so every time the game was over, I came on after the warrior games, after the giants games, after the Niners games, I still like doing that. But um, now I'm, I, I've incorporated a lot more videos. So, you know, like I went on vacation for a week, a couple of weeks ago and took my family down to Pismo uh, in San Luis Obispo. And I told the audience in one of the live streams before I left, I said, Hey, you know, I'm going on vacation for a week and um, I won't be doing any live streams. And like five or six people jumped in with, well, that's fine. You're not going to do any live streams next week, but you sure as hell better keep the videos going because <laughs> I, you know, I rely on those videos. And it was like, wow, it was an illustration to me that, you know, just keep producing compelling content. Yeah. So last night, for example, I did a live stream with my son 
My son now, Garrett, is 22, and he goes to Cal Poly. He's home for summer. And so I wanted to do, with training camp starting officially with the first practice on Wednesday, um, I wanted to do like a training camp 49er mailbag. And so I just put together, you know, I asked, put, put it on Twitter. Hey, how many people have questions? A bunch of people shot me questions. I added a few more, gave him a list and said, hey, let's do this together. Why don't you just throw me the questions and I'll just throw answers and we'll go back and forth. I looked up, there was like 400 people in the room. <laughs> and, um, and, and today I think it has close to 5,000 views. Awesome. Um, and, and then when the show was over, um, I, I did a video on Steve Kerr kind of admitting that last year was his fault. Right. And it, it's like about an eight minute, 10 minute, 10, 12 minute video. And I just basically monologued like a radio segment about Kerr, um, and how it was his fault last year and that he's a great guy for admitting it and how much I really like him. And I explained exactly how I felt about all of it. I did another one on, you know, I'll be doing some videos later today on as soon as this is over, I'll, I'll sit down. I'm going to do some videos on the giants approach at the trade deadline. And then tonight at six o'clock, I'll go live with Grant Cohn on his channel. And then at the end of the live stream, I'll ask him, Hey, Grant, is it okay if we, we clip a couple, um, you know, cuts from the live stream and put them out in the video form. And mm -hmm. he'll invariably say, yeah, sure, go for it. Then I'll have my son clip a couple of, you know, five, 10 minute cuts. We'll put them out. They'll each get, you know, thousands of views. Then I'm yeah. going to go live tonight with Dan Coach Emilio, who's a friend of mine. Um, and we're going to do a live stream on the Giants um, approach to the trade deadline. And with the trade deadline coming up and all the topics that we'll hit in that stream, that thing's going to get. 10,000 views and it's going to make whatever 350 bucks or yeah. whatever it's going to make. Um, so it's a little bit of a grind, but at the same time I've put out lots of content. So I'll try to put out like one or two live streams a day. And then I'll try to put out maybe three to five videos a day. And um, if I can, and, and, and I just tape them and I, you know, and if I don't like it, I'll do it again. Um, so, and, and sometimes it's live segments of a part of a stream that I just cut up and put out. Sometimes it's just a segment with that, uh, you know, with that, whatever the topic is. And the nice thing is, is that we have people that follow the channel who are warrior fans. We have people who follow the channel that are giant fans and probably our largest, um, following is for the 49ers. And so then I'll be at, I'll be at training camp on Wednesday. I'll do a pre day one of training camp video, Maybe from my phone. That's the other great thing. When I went down to San, when I when I went down to uh, Cal Poly, um, you know, I I'd, I'd get up in the morning, take a shower, get ready to go to the beach, and before and I'd stand there in front of a tree, um, and just go, hey, by the way, you know, this is how I feel about this, 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 and this, with a little like selfie stick kind of thing to keep my thumb out of the screen, and I put it out there and get five thousand hits. Yeah. And I'm off to the beach. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a new world for sure. But I, as far as I don't if, if I see a, a plan that ultimately works wonders, I'll do it. But I think the beauty of YouTube is the mobility and how, you know, um, something happens in a sport and then you'll tune into sports radio and they've got a guest and it's a guest talking about something totally different. 
Well, they should just tell that guest goodbye. Yeah. We're now talking about this. Right. But because they're so old school thinking, they stay with that guest and the guests that they booked. And they're still talking about, you know, college football or, you know, college basketball. And the Giants just made a trade. And I'm sitting here live right now going, the Giants just made a trade. And I've got, you know, here I'm giving you my opinions on it. And hundreds and hundreds of people are in the room and thousands more watch it later. So it's, um, I try just to be everywhere and, every, you know, everywhere I can be and try to produce as much compelling content as I can create and some live streams, some taped videos. No, that's that's awesome. And, and doing the thing with your kid is a lot of fun. I do the warrior show that we do weekly with my kid. And like I, you know, I'm into talking to you and I want to reach out to Chris and and, you know, I have some people in, in media, but he's more into like the draft Substack guy who, you know, he subscribes to. And so he's going to summer league and he's going and talking to these people, this NBA university Twitter account, which blew up and, you know, he's, he's looking at it. So it's, it's, it's unique that we can sort of bring two different perspectives to a show and, uh, you know, you get the old school and the new school. So it's, it's awesome, but Hey man, I want to let you go. This was awesome. I, I really appreciate you doing this. And, you know, like I said, you and Chris were kind of the the guys for me. I, I looked at you guys as like, man, you know, they are doing things that that I would like to do now. I didn't necessarily. I, I moved to a different place, but you know, I I, I looked up to both of you guys and uh, really appreciated uh, how you guys treated me at KMBR. And I've been fans of both of yours uh, pretty much since that since those times. So. Loved, loved it. And everyone, you know, people watching this or, or listening to this, they probably do know of your YouTube, but go subscribe to the Krug show. And so you can see all of Larry's content. Garrett, anytime you want me back, brother, just, just, uh, you got my cell now. Um, just, just give me a shout. I, you know, or I think you have my cell and if not, I'll give it to you after this is over. Uh, but, um, we'll, we'll connect and, and I'd love to come on and, and help support your channel and, and what you're doing. So good to see you, man. It's been, it's been a while and it's hard to believe we're all grown up now. I know. We have with, kids with that kids, are old grown and, up kids. Yeah. I get two, two graduated college already for me. So. Seriously, man. We, I'll say this. You probably made the right financial decision going into the <laughs> tech world and out of radio. Um, you know, but uh, I'm glad that you're finding your way back to media because I, I remember you as being very passionate about it. And um, and it's good that you're getting to fulfill that passion in this endeavor. Yeah, it's and it's fun. It's a ton of fun. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations. 
which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire Investment Round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.